All right. Well, how are we doing, South Hills Church? Well, it's great, it's great to be with you guys today. For those of you who are physically in the room and for those of you who are watching online, and if you're watching online, please, no judgment. We are not judging you for not getting out of your bed, not getting off your couch, not driving to two miles down to the church to be here together. We're not judging you. We're not judging you. So feel uh, comfortable, fill up your coffee, and enjoy the service today. Uh, for those of you here in the room, super proud of you guys for being here. Not to say that I love you guys more than the ones that are staying at home. I'm just super proud of you guys for being here today. Uh, we're kicking off a new series. As uh, Pastor Chris mentioned, it's uh, called No Thanks, and I, as, as you know, it's a uh, play on words for as we get ready for the season of Thanksgiving and as we get ready for um, what we're getting ready to uh, celebrate here in a couple of weeks. And the reason why we wanted to dive into this series is because, you know, as, as South Hills Church, we have a teaching team that we spend a lot of time and a lot of energy with trying to figure out what are the things that the audience and the people that we're facing really need to hear. Um, what is the scripture we want to unlock to help them to live a life that's more fuller and filled with relationships that can be ultimately at the highest level? And we look into a lot of things that destroy relationships. And finances is one thing that destroys relationships when we have, uh, you know, couples or people who are ultimately uh, not being wise with their finances. We find that the destruction of finances ultimately uh, creates a division in relationships. Other things that we notice that create division in relationships is emotional health, uh, when people don't know how to express feelings or thoughts or emotions. Um, and the way they express them, we, we realize that that is also a division in relationships. Um, the other thing that destroys relationships is gratitude is gratitude and you know you and it's not the overwhelming act of gratitude that destroys the relationships it's the lack of gratitude that destroys relationships now that that's not and when i say relationships that's husband wife that's father daughter that's you know that's son mother that's friend friend coworker boss uh, relationships in general. Um, and here's the reality is that people who do things for others, they may not r say this, but they do expect an act of gratitude for what they do. And whether that's a small thing or a big thing, there is an expectation for the person doing it that the person receiving the act would be grateful. And so I, I know, you know, many of us don't remember what it's like to be ungrateful because, you know, it's been a long time since so we've been 13 um, or 8 or 10 or 9 or 8 or 7. Um, but the, uh, the reality is this. I, I remember when my parents would do things for me, and I remember being grateful, but I don't remember telling them. I remember my parents struggling financially to raise six children, and I didn't realize what the struggle was. You know, I, I saw that we were financially that challenged, but um, ideally, I remember them struggling to raise six children, and I just remember thinking, like, man, like, there is, you know, this is, this is a, a, a tough upbringing. Um, we, you know, we obviously lived in a smaller home, and we crammed into rooms, and I remember my parents literally, like, driving us to the border because it was, at the time, there wasn't a Costco, so it was cheaper to go across the border um, down to, you know, uh, down to Mexico and do like grocery shopping and like clothes shopping and all that type of stuff for the kids than it was to like buy them here in the city. And so I remember like crossing the border 
And to us, it was a trip. It was probably like an hour and a half, two-hour drive. And I just remember like, you know, after shopping, we'd end the day with food. And it was like the big highlight of the day, like street tacos, which to me still to this day is one of my favorite, you know, fun, favorite meals to have like street tacos in Mexico, the authentic food off the grill. Um, and so uh, and so I remember like that was the end of our trip, right? That was the end of the day. We'd shop all day. We'd go have talk, street tacos. Then we'd get in the car and drive home. And so I just remember throughout the day, like, watching poverty, like learning, like seeing poverty. I remember seeing families, you know, on the sides of the streets. I remember kids who I had no idea who they were, nor did my parents have an idea who they were. They'd come up to my dad and ask him for money or ask him for food. And I just remember thinking, like, why is this kid asking my dad for money? Like, if anybody's going to ask my dad for money, it's going to be me. He's my dad. And I just remember, like, just thinking it was weird that other people were asking my dad for money. And so I remember asking my mom, like, hey, why is this guy, this kid, who we don't even know, asking dad for money? He's like, well, because they don't have money. And they're begging for food or they're begging to survive. And I just remember, like, aha moments thinking, like, that's really weird. Why doesn't he just ask his dad for money? Why doesn't his dad have money? And so it was a lot of questions, a lot of questions, no answers. And then I remember as we would drive home, there was like families that lived on the side of the streets. No, you know, no roofs, no walls, no electricity, no electricity, no running water. And I vividly remember coming home and walking into the house and just flipping the switch, lights, turning on the faucet, water. And those were the memories that I, rem- I have in my heart and I had in my heart as a kid. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is really lucky of me to be able to have a home. It's really lucky of me to be able to hit a switch and have electricity, to turn on a faucet and have, have water. But do you have an idea how many times I expressed that to my parents? Zero. I, I was grateful, but I never, ever told them. And so to me, um, even though it was in my heart, moments in my childhood, um, it was never expressed. And so uh, I, I never realized what, what the actual repercussion of unverbalized gratitude was until I fast forward and then I have my own kids. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm married, I have three boys, and now I'm fulfilling their dream of giving them everything I didn't have. Getting them, you know, they have bikes, they have scooters, they have skateboards, they go on vacations, they, you know, they do travel ball sports. And, uh, and so I just, you know, I, I do all this for my kids because it's all the things that I wanted that I couldn't have. So it was a lifelong dream for me to give them the things I was never, to, never able to have. And then, like, as we go through these things, do you have any idea uh, how often they're sharing their gratitude? I mean, every morning they get up and they're just like, Dad, thank you so much. Thank you so much for these brand new shoes I get to wear. Thank you so much that I got to walk over my skateboard to grab my bike. Thank you so much that, you know, I got to pack a suitcase here in a couple of weeks so we can go on a winter vacation. Uh, thank you so much that I have to, like, you know, you know, figure out where, and, and it's just this, you know, in my head, this is what I would love to hear, right? But how much of that do I actually hear? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Now, if I was to ask them, if I was to ask them, like, hey, are you grateful for your bike? Are you grateful for your skateboard? Are you grateful for a winter trip to the mountains? They'd say, absolutely. Of course I am. But it never registers to verbalize it. Now, the good news is this. The good news is that's only a disease for children. Like, when you become an adult, it magically disappears. It magically goes away, right? 
wrong. <laughs> no, it's not just a child disease of selfishness or internalized gratitude. It's actually a disease as an adult as well. And so I'm going to read a story to you. And this is a story from the Bible. And it's found in Luke chapter 17. Verse, it starts with verse 11. And you're going you're gonna to see a story about 10 grown men, 10 grown men who also struggled with this, uh, this disease of not expressing gratitude. And so here's how it starts. And I'm just going to take it verse by verse, and we'll break it down. We'll go through it slowly. It says this, as they continued onward toward Jerusalem, this is Jesus on a journey. He's all, as he continued onward toward Jerusalem, they reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. So let me stop right here. So here's Jesus with his disciples, and he's on his journey. He's, he's, he's going from town to town. He's doing what he was called to do, you know, sharing the good news, encouraging people, healing people, impacting people's lives, helping people go from a religion to a relationship, uh, influence people and helping them understand that God, you know, the love of God and grace in their life. And so this is what Jesus' journey was, right? So he's going from town to town sharing this news. So he's, you know, and so just to give you a little perspective, you know, he started in Galilee, which we could say it's up north. And, you know, and so he was on his journey to Jerusalem, which was down south. But in order to go from Galilee to Jerusalem, he had to cross through the town or the land of Samaria, okay? And so there's no, really, there's no way of getting here without going through Samaria, now, you know, the people in Galilee, the Jews in Galilee, they, they, had, they, they didn't have a good relationship with the people in Samaria. They, they thought that they were better than. They thought that they were a higher level of a Jewish religion than the people in Samaria. They thought like the people in Samaria were Jewish, but it was like a knockoff Jewish religion. So they weren't as good, right? And so, um, so as Jesus was crossing from Galilee down to Samaria, this is what happens, okay? He's, uh, verse 12, it says, and as they entered a village... There were 10 lepers. Now, lepers as in a skin disease, not lepers as in a cheetah or a bobcat, right? And so lepers, leprosy was, a, was the disease, the disease of the time. Um, I know that we're in a time right now where we have a disease of our current time, but leprosy was the disease of the time. And this was like a, a horrific disease. It was, um, you know, it, if you had this disease, you had to separate yourself from the common life. You can no longer function in your day-to-day -day life. You couldn't go to work. You couldn't be with your family. You had to isolate yourself, right? And so, this, you know, and so if you had leprosy and, and this skin disease that was just terrible and had like boils and just really gross, um, they, they, you had to separate yourself from society. And so people who had leprosy, they would, they would connect with other people who had leprosy. And so in this story, there was 10 people who had leprosy who had come together. And so they were now, you know, call it quarantined. They were now doing life together, separated from society. And anytime they moved in the town, if you had leprosy, you had to like ring a bell to let people know like, hey, there's a person with leprosy coming in. There's a person with leprosy coming in. And so you had to be like distant from people. So if you heard the bell like, leper, leper, it's like, oh shoot, there's someone with leprosy coming in. Stay away, like not six feet away, like 30, 40, 50, 60 feet away, like keep them at a distance. So people who had leprosy were taken away from society, um, were, were isolated together, could not do life, couldn't travel, couldn't go be with their families. Um, it was a, a terrible, terrible disease, okay? So as they entered the village, there were 10 lepers 
that stood at a distance. Of course, they had to stay away, right? Because it was a contagious disease. Like it, it literally says, if you look it up, the way it became contagious or the way that you, be, that you got leprosy was if the water droplings that came out of the person's mouth or nose got on you, that's how you would get leprosy. Really crazy, right? And so, um, so 10 lepers that stood at a distance, you know, crying out. The Bible says crying out, which could also be translated as shouting out, like shouting, Jesus, sir, have mercy on us. So here's 10 lepers who have been isolated, have been taken away from society, could not be with their families, could not do day-to-day life, that were basically in a group now just sitting together. They hear about Jesus. Here he comes walking through. They can't go to him because it's against the law. And so they have to shout out like, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. We're lepers. Have mercy on us. Can you heal us, please? And so uh, verse 14 Um, It says this, he looked at them and said, go to the Jewish priest and show him that you are healed. Okay, so let me break this down. So Jesus shouts back, hey, go to the Jewish priest. And they're sitting there like, wait, what did he say? Go have a feast? No, 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 that's not what he said. Go to the Jewish priest and show them that you are healed. All right, so let let me just hit pause here. So if you somehow miraculously were healed by leprosy, you couldn't just plug yourself back into life. You had to go to a Jewish priest, and they had to declare you healed or cured. And if you went to the Jewish priest and you could show them, like, hey, I used to have leprosy. Now I don't. Here, check me out. Ah, um, they, they would say, okay, you know, you've been healed. You can go back into society now. You can go back to work. You can go back to your family. You can go back into your community. You can go back to church. You can go back. You can go back to doing life. But you couldn't do that until the priest declared you healed. Now, here's what we don't know in this story. We don't know how long that journey to the priest was. We don't know if there was a priest in the local town, if you had to go to Jerusalem or Judea for, for, to, to be declared healed. We don't know if it was uh, an hour walk, a two-hour walk, a, a, a day, two days. We don't know that time. But we do know, based off of this story, that there was a distance to get there. You know, if you look at... Galilee to, uh, to Jerusalem, it was about 111 miles, okay? And back then, there was obviously no cars or no, tr- no trains or any of the automobiles. It was all by foot or horse or mule. So we know it was, a, it was quite the distance to get there. It was going to take some time, right? So he says, go, he says, he looked at them and said, go to the Jewish priest and show them that you were healed. As they were going, their leprosy disappeared. As they were going. Was it an hour into the journey? Was it a day into the journey? We don't know, but it was a journey to get there. And as they were going, they became healed. They believed Jesus' words. They had faith that if they were to walk to the priest or get to the priest, that they were going to be declared healed, right? Now, as they were going, their leprosy disappeared. Here's verse 15. Here's, here's the whole point of the message. Remember, how many of them actually went, um, uh, had leprosy? This is an actual question. How many of them actually had leprosy? Ten. Ten of them had leprosy, right? 
Verse 15, watch this. Here's where it just hurts. One of them came back to Jesus. One of the ten came back to Jesus shouting, okay? Shouting the same voice that he used to ask Jesus for a favor, the same voice that he used to ask Jesus to be healed, the same voice that he used to ask Jesus for, for mercy, that same voice, he came back shouting, glory to God, I am healed. Glory to God, I have been cured. That same voice he used to show gratitude, right? Now, verse 16, he fell flat on the ground in front of Jesus, face downward in the dust. So it wasn't like, you know, clean carpet like it is here. It wasn't, you know, clean grass, soft grass. Um, it was dirt. Fell his face downward on the dust, thanking him for what he had done. This man was, was a despised Samaritan. So he wasn't even like considered, you know, the, the, a person of value or a person of, 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 uh, of, of, of recognition, of authority, or of leadership. He was simply viewed as someone less than, right? Because he was a Samaritan. And so he, he comes back and he falls flat on the ground and he's thanking God that he's no longer a leper. He's thanking God that he no longer has to live isolated from the community. He's thanking God that he has been healed. Is there gratitude in his heart? Absolutely, right? He came back and he was giving thanks to God for this, right? Now, Jesus is sitting there and he's watching this happen. And he's seeing the gratitude out of this one individual. He's seeing the gratitude out of it. He's hearing the gratitude out of this one person, and then at some point, Jesus stops, and he says, Jesus asked, hey, didn't I heal 10 men? Wasn't there 10 that were asking to be healed? Now, let me, let me tell you this, and here's an aha moment for you. When Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Okay, Jesus isn't asking, like, oh, wait, I may be wrong on this. Um, was there 10 guys? Because I don't know if there was 10 guys. He's not asking for clarity, like, like we ask for clarity. Like, often we make mistakes. Like, I thought there was 10, maybe. I, you know, I'm a pastor. My number's are always higher than they, they, than they really are. Um, you know, was, was there seven? Was there six? What were the real numbers, right? Um, and so, uh, so he, he's, that's not him. He wasn't asking because he wasn't sure if there was 10. He was sending a message in his question. In his question, like he often does to us, when Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because we, we need to hear the message in his question. So Jesus says, didn't I heal 10 men? And then he finally, like, like a sarcastic, this is why I connect with Jesus, because him and I get sarcasm. And in a sarcastic way, he's like, where are the nine? Where are the nine that were also healed? Does only this foreigner return to give glory to God? Now, once again, here's the reality. I bet you, 
if one of the disciples were like, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to go find those nine men. I'll be right back. And then just hustles down to go find those nine men and then sees those nine men back plugged into society and sees them within their community and sees them out there shopping and sees them out there fishing and sees them out there with their friends and their family and finds them and then says, hey, hey, you nine people who used to be lepers, come here. Like, were you healed by leprosy? They'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. And if they were to ask them, like, are you grateful? What would they say? absolutely we're grateful. Can you imagine? We were lepers. We were isolated. We were taken away from our friends, our family, our life. Then Jesus healed us. How awesome is that? And then the question I, I would ask about his disciples is like, do you want to tell him? And they're like, oh, I didn't even think about it. I just went on with the next thing. I went on with the next thing on my list. I went on with the next thing that I wanted to do. Like, I didn't even think about stopping, going back, and say thank you, but I am grateful. And so here's the aha moment. The aha moment is this. Many, just like the nine lepers, just like my kids, just like me, many times we feel the gratitude, but don't express it. We feel the gratitude. They felt it, but they didn't express it. And that's the, that's the message Jesus is sending in this question. It's like, I know they're grateful. Why would they not come back and express it? And so here's what I want you to understand. It's not just an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old that does these things. It's not just a 13-year-old. It's not just nine lepers who were, used to be lepers who um, no longer are lepers and now are healed that forget to express their gratitude. It's, it's, it's us as well in a day-to-day life. Now, many of you are probably super successful in the things that you do. Many of you have probably worked really hard to be where you're at. You probably got an education, did an internship, took a lot of risk, uh, started a business, uh, worked your way up the ladder in corporate America. Uh, you, you are educators, teachers. Uh, some, many of you are probably successful in the things that you do, and you probably put a lot of your own effort in this, but the reality is this. If you look in the rearview mirror, Someone, someone had to have played a role to help you, helping you with moving forward. And the reality is this, that continues today. That continues today. And so God's message is when you have felt gratitude, express it, share it. They received what they wanted. The nine lepers received what they wanted, they needed, and then they just kept going. They just kept going. So here's, here's, what, here's what God wants to express to us right now. He wants us to understand this. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. When we don't express what we're grateful for, the message we send is that we're not grateful. I ask my kids all the time, like, hey, weren't you happy that dad went to go pick up your friend and had you have a play date for several hours and I sat there and I watched you guys play? Wasn't, weren't you grateful for that? Absolutely. But I wanted to see if I could spend the night. I'm like, oh, so you decided to go to the next thing, 
before saying, thank you, Dad, for bringing my friend and allowing me to have a play date and taking three hours out of your day so that we can play. So rather than saying, thank you for that moment, I'm grateful for that moment, you decided to go to the next thing, which was, okay, now that playtime is over, can I spend the night? No, you can't spend the night. Oh, let's have a meltdown. Let's have a meltdown. You're the worst dad ever. Why can't I spend the night? This is ridiculous. This is what I want. I can't believe you're not letting me spend the night. Let me slam doors. Let me knock over flowers. Let me come back out, pick up the flower, knock it over on the other side. Oh my gosh. And so I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh, you're the most ungrateful kid ever. Are you super ungrateful? No, I'm super grateful. I'm just now ready for the next thing. And I wasn't going to tell you I was grateful. I was just going to skip right over to the next thing I wanted. Now, unfortunately, that's the reality. The reality is many of us move on. Just like the nine nine lepers, we move on to the next thing. Okay? Now, let me help you understand this. The recipient is always aware. The person who did something for someone else, they're always aware of the gratitude that they should be receiving. But the initiator is rarely aware. The person who should be giving back the gratitude, rarely are they aware of the gratitude they should be giving back. Jesus asked him, were there not nine? Was there not nine people here? Now, when God wired our hearts, he wired our hearts in a way that we would gravitate to acceptance and distance ourselves from rejection. When God created the human being and created the heart and put it inside of our, inside of our bodies and have, have us function in life, our hearts gravitate to being accepted. But we create distance to being rejected. And unexpressed gratitude is received as rejection. It's received as rejection. When we fail to express gratitude, it gets received as rejection. So as I get ready to close, I just want... I want to share this last point, and if there's anything you remember from this, this message, it's this one. Gratitude. It's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. It's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. Now, I don't know what the brokenness inside of us or inside of you is that we often forget to express gratitude or we move on and don't stop and express gratitude. Um, I don't know if it's, if you feel like you, you know, you tell your husband, you know, thank you for, or if you tell your wife, thank you for, or I'm grateful for, that if inside of your head and your heart, you're gonna think like, oh, if I tell them that I'm grateful, now that, now I feel like they're gonna have like credit on me and now I'm gonna owe them. So I'm just not gonna say anything. I'm gonna be grateful, but I'm not gonna say anything. Because if I verbalize it, then I might feel like I owe them and then it's gonna come and bite me in the butt later. I don't know if that's your story, but I've heard that possibly being a reason out there. Another reason is this. They're afraid, people are afraid that if they express gratitude, the thing that they're saying saying they're grateful for is going to stop. So often people don't express gratitude because they're afraid that if they verbalize how grateful they are for that action, that that action may, may all of a sudden disappear. Now, let me, let me help you here. There's only one person putting those thoughts in your head, and that's the enemy. The enemy is the only one who's going to want to teach you to not be grateful because the enemy knows 
that ingratitude is received as rejection. And rejection creates distance between you and the person you're trying to deepen a relationship with. And so God knows that if you feel gratitude and you express it, it creates a bond and it creates a depth in relationships. And so today, I have a challenge for you. And it's a challenge. It's not a mandate. It's not a law. It's, you know, it's just me trying to help you deepen your relationships with those who matter to you. Whether it's a mom, whether it's a dad, whether it's a boss, whether it's a friend, whether it's a brother, whether it's a sister, whether it's a husband, whether it's a wife, just me trying to help you. I know this, and I don't even know all of your story, but I know this. There are people in your life that have done things for you that you've felt gratitude but have not expressed it to them. And so today, I'm just going to ask you, choose three people in your life. You pick. Who are the three people in your life that you should say, hey, you know what? Thank you for. Or I am grateful for. Now, guys, if you're in the room, this is not what I'm looking for. Hey, man, thanks. No, 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 don't do the guy thing. Don't try to minimize the words as much as possible. Say, I am grateful for the time that you've invested into me. I am grateful for you listening to me when I am not doing well. I am grateful for you cleaning the house. I am grateful for you paying the bills. I am grateful for you providing for our family. I am grateful for, I don't know, I just have a few examples. They just pop out out of nowhere. But those people who do those things, they tend to want to hear those things. Like, oh, wow, you are grateful. So find three people. Today, before the day is over, share your gratitude with them. Express it. It's not just enough to feel it. You have to express it. Let's bow our heads.